Execution is that key differentiator, right? We can have good ideas all day long. In fact, you may have multiple million dollar ideas that are banging all day, right? But if you don't do anything about it, if you don't pick up the phone, if you don't send an email to someone who could talk it through with you and turn that idea into some sort of vision, company, you know, taking it to the next level, it will always just stay an idea. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. From the pageant stage to the courtroom, this entrepreneur has done it all. Former Miss Nevada, Lisa Song Sutton, can be seen on the TEDx stage. She scaled multiple eight-figure companies and cultivated an enormous social media following along the way. Lisa, welcome to CEO School. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you on today's episode. Um, Lisa and I were just uh, chatting backstage earlier and I was just, I'm just so impressed by Lisa's bio. I don't even know where to begin. Lisa is an entrepreneur. She was former Miss Nevada. She is a former attorney turned entrepreneur, um, now also an investor. And it's not only she has one successful eight figure business, which is so difficult to scale. We all know less than 2% of female founders ever break even a million in revenue. Lisa has a portfolio of companies. Uh, Her businesses include Sin City Cupcakes, Ship Las Vegas, Elite Home International Real Estate, and even a swimwear line. So Lisa, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. We need to know all of your secrets. Just walk, like I need to know all of it. So let's just go there. What are all your secrets? Tell us your story. Tell us all your <laughs> Tell secrets. Tell us your secrets, yeah. yeah. Well, number one, I don't do anything alone. Um, I have great operational partners and everything that I do. And of course we have great kind of like second lieutenants, right? Teams, staffs. Um, I, I personally have an operations admin, like a chief of staff that helps me oversee all the companies. Um, and then of course, like I said, we have great staff within each of the companies as well. So hands down, no question. Um, the idea of being a solopreneur or doing it alone has never been something that's appealed to me. So 100%, if you can align yourself with an operations partner, a business partner, teams that believe in the same vision that you do, that to me is the secret to um, helping run you know, a large scale company. I couldn't agree with you more. We have a philosophy here. One team, one dream. It does take a whole team. Lisa, talk me through your entrepreneurial journey. Which one was your first company and how did you even become an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I became an entrepreneur totally by accident. I was just like working my big girl job at the law firm, um, doing business litigation and business bankruptcy. So it was a great place to learn and a great place to build a kind of a do not do list. 
My first company was Sin City Cupcakes. I, I love that. And- do not do this for all for all our corporate uh, listeners <laughs> out here. We're all building. build a do not do list. Exactly. Yeah. Working in business, BK, you, you see it all. You know, um, the first company was Sin City Cupcakes. Started that nine years ago in 2012, and it totally just started on a whim. My co-founder with that, her name is Danielle. She and I met in the modeling industry. I modeled all during college and law school. That was like my side hustle. That was my side gig job. And um, that's how we met. So fast forward, I'm working my big girl job at the law firm. She and I are catching up on the phone. Just, hey girl, what have you been up to? And she told me she had been making these alcohol cupcakes. And I'm like, wait a second you need to bring it to Vegas because this is a place where people come to overspend, overindulge, buy and do things you're not going to buy and do at home. I love this concept. I will help you start the company. I don't know how to bake, but I like have other skills. And so she took a leap of faith, moved here. We started the company. I had to learn how to bake. I mean, it was just, it was so crazy in the beginning, but so much fun. That is so awesome. So you convinced your friend who was doing alcoholic cupcakes and you're like, I see this vision for this business idea and you convinced her. And I think that's, that's like the first step, right? It's like in leadership and entrepreneurship, it's selling, like sometimes you see the vision and others don't. And so you saw the vision and you're like, we're going to create Sin City Cupcakes, which I've obviously heard of. Tell us about the success of Sin City and where did that take from your early baking? Like you went from being a lawyer to then baking and saying, we're going to run this business. (laughs) What happened with Sin City Cupcakes? Where Where is it at right now? Yeah. So, um, and I do want to preface this with, I kept my day job for the first 18 months at Sin City Cupcakes was Mm -hmm. a So if you are like a W2 employee right now, that's perfectly okay. And you have an idea for a side hustle, or maybe you're working on a side hustle right now, team up with an operations partner. Like that's the blueprint for me. I teamed up with an operations partner who was able to work on the business while I was working my nine to five, but my nine to five paid for our startup in the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. Because a brand new company takes money. I don't care who tells you what, like, yes, you can start on a shoestring budget, which is what we did, but you still need cash flow going in. So whether that's coming from customers or if it's coming from your co-founders, you need money into the company. Money is like jet fuel for the company. So how are we going to get that money? I kept my day job for the first 18 months at Sin City Cupcakes was alive. And all that meant was that I was working seven days a week. I was working five and a half days a week in my day job. And then nights and weekends, I was baking. I was running deliveries. I was helping run our catering orders. Whatever had to be done, I jumped in and helped. And that's how we were able to grow and scale. I love it. And I love that advice that you gave. And it's so true. I think sometimes we feel like we have to go all in or nothing. Um, And I think that there is a point where entrepreneurs do have to realize in order to scale, you do have to go all in. Uh, And there is a point that that takes place. But I remember when we started Stacks, uh, formerly Fat Merchant, my co-founder and I, I was working actually full-time into the business. I had quit my job to go scale this full-time. And Sal, my brother and partner, he was still working his corporate job for literally about 18 months, like until we had solid traction until he was able to actually leave his job, move to Orlando. But Mm -hmm. we were working seven days round the clock and that's just part of it as well. But I love that you shared that. So, okay. So that was Sin City and Sin City is now where? So now it's nine years later. And luckily I, luckily for everyone, I haven't baked in like, I don't know, (laughs) four or five years, which is better for everyone because now we have amazing pastry chefs uh, who work for us and they're so talented and, and just 
just incredible and certainly are able to do things in the kitchen and the bakery that I couldn't even dream of. And so now it's scaled, right? We have a production facility that's just off the strip. We deliver by the dozen. That's always been our model, fresh baked, made to order. And it's just so much fun. I mean, who's who is like in a bad mood when you're buying alcohol cupcakes? Like no one. Right? No one. No oh, nobody. One. It sounds so perfect. And then how did you move on to your next business? So when, you know, when did that spark happen for you to say, Hey, you know, since city's growing, you, you left your corporate job at that point, what fueled you to go then expand? What took place? Yeah. So one, just keeping an ear to opportunity. So again, while I was still working at the law firm, we had clients that also had real estate needs. And at the time we were just referring them out. And I thought to myself, what if I could team up with a broker, with a full-time broker, because I have this deal flow. um, I'm making great contacts, right? And people who absolutely need real estate services, instead of us referring that out, what if I was able to also help get a cut of that, right? Um, And so I teamed up with a full-time broker and started a team previously over at Sotheby's International Real Estate and had that team for five and a half years. Um, and then I brought the Christie's brand, Christie's International Real Estate to Las Vegas about two years ago. So I've been in the real estate business for you know going on eight years, grew up in the business. My family uh, started with residential holdings and now they've switched to commercial holdings. But I think growing up around it, you don't really pay attention to what your parents are doing um, and you kind of have your own track. So it's been nice now to kind of come full circle and come back to it, but just keeping an ear to opportunity. So I saw that there was a need. I saw that there was an opportunity there, teamed up with a full-time broker. Cause again, I didn't have time to, to team up and do it myself full-time. Right. So I teamed up with a full-time broker and then that just, you know, led to more and more opportunities. And now, like I said, we have the Christie's brand here, um, under elite homes, which is our brokerage elite homes, Christie's international real estate. That's incredible. I mean, I think that some people just have it. I think that some people just naturally have this knack to find opportunity. And you're so right. It's like paying attention to the things that no one else is paying attention to. And I think that's really what defines successful leaders, successful entrepreneurs, is that we're paying attention. And even though people may think we're not paying attention and there's a bajillion things going on, and there are, and life is running a million miles an hour, but we still pay attention to the trends, to what's taking place. And particularly what you talked about, Lisa, is paying attention to opportunities. And that is where the magic happens is when you can identify, here's this opportunity, there's a need in the marketplace, and how can you fulfill that? And when you decided to do this brokerage, it's not like this was this super scalable tech startup idea. Like you were just like, Hey, I'm getting all this amazing deal flow. It's mm-hmm. going nowhere. Let's monetize against that. I can go put together my contacts here, throw that into the deal flow and then monetize it. And I think mm-hmm. that more women, like, why are we so afraid to go find that? Or I think these ideas do take place, but I think we're afraid to like actually act upon the opportunities that are taking place. And men on the contrary are the ones that are just the most opportunistic and constantly just doing the activity when they have no experience in doing. Do you agree with that? 100%. And first off, I mean, you, you said it, right? Execution is that key differentiator right? We can have good ideas all day long. Um, and in fact, you, you may have multiple million dollar ideas that are banging all day, right? But if you don't do anything about it, if you don't pick up the phone, if you don't send an email to someone who could talk it through with you and turn that idea into some sort of vision company, you know, taking it to the next level, it will always just stay an idea. And yes, absolutely. To your point, 100% correct. Um, especially as an angel investor, 
I meet female founders all the time who will tell me that they've got a prototype. They have people interested. They, they've got an email list full of 500 people who love this idea. And yet they don't feel ready to take the next step. They don't feel ready to ask for money. They don't feel ready to actually, um, you know, form a company or whatever his hurdle is. And then I'll meet men who have an idea. They have <laughs> no prototype. They have no website. They have no name. They have nothing, right? They just have this idea and they 100% have no problem asking you for money, asking you for support, asking you to bounce ideas off of them. And I just find that that mental switch, very, very interesting. We as women tend to wait and we talk ourselves out of being ready or wanting to ask for help and it's to our detriment. And I was going to add to the, to the guys. And then they asked that the, the company's already valued at 10 million. Whereas oh, a woman can't. Yeah. And you're like, um, I'm sorry, based on what? <laughs> I know. And, and it's funny. And as women, like we don't even, we don't even consider even asking for a value. Like it's kind of the complete opposite. It's a complete opposite. Right. So I love what you said a hundred percent execution is everything. Um, you know, one of my, the, my most favorite things to say is there's no such thing as a million dollar idea. It's only a million dollar execution. And mm, Lisa, you are a just fitting example of this. I feel so inspired by uh, just like 15 minutes of chatting um, in regards to your portfolio, because I was telling you earlier before the show that I never viewed, like I have investment portfolio. I also have an angel investment. Like I, I do real estate investing. I do angel investing. I consider those in my portfolio. I've never considered my businesses as part of like a portfolio. And it's, I love your philosophy on that. And you're, and you are a multi-passionate entrepreneur and you're like, I have brilliant ideas that I know how I can actually execute. And you're going to monetize against all of them. And it's fucking genius. And I love you for it. And we all well, are so excited, value, right? Like yeah. bring value to each of those companies. And oftentimes it's the same value, right? I love SOPs. I love building out processes and procedures. Um, all of my companies, I've been the funding partner, uh, whether that's as a 50% or as someone who's bringing in all the funding. Um, so that's my skill set, right? That's my wheelhouse. And I can keep applying that to companies over and over and over, whether it's in food and beverage, real estate, e-commerce, shipping, regardless of what the industry is, I can keep bringing the same thing of value over and over and over. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud of you. Like, I, I just want you to know, like, I'm so proud of you. I think this is just so incredible. Talk to us about your shipping company. Talk to us about your swimwear line. What else is next? Yeah. Let's talk about these. We're going to support all of these businesses. Thank you. Well, here's what I love about the shipping. Now hear me out on this. Okay. Have you ever had someone tell you that you should invest in storage units? Have you heard that before? Yes. Um, as like yes. an asset class, yes. right? So basically my- I think my husband, storage... my husband yeah. literally actually went to go look at a few storage yeah. facilities for okay. building. Because so, he so does- it's an house. asset class. Yes. It's an asset class of, of investment. Mailbox stores, in my opinion, are mini storage units. These mailboxes that get rented out at 20 bucks a month are these low maintenance, low overhead items that you rent out and you monetize every month when your client doesn't want it anymore or they lost the key or their credit card is bad or whatever it is and they don't want it anymore, you just switch out the lock and you pop in a new customer. So it's a lot easier than let's say an investment 
home, right? Which when good, you know, when you have to get a new tenant in and it's all the rigmarole and you're putting new carpet and whatever it is, right? These mailbox units are basically miniature storage units, in my opinion, that monetize. And that's where your steady cash flow is. The shipping is ancillary and seasonal, but you make really great money from mid-November to mid-December, which is that holiday shipping. So I was very attracted to this business model and I loved the idea, um, but I didn't know anything about running a shipping store. I had never worked in like a UPS store or anything. So I called up a friend of mine, Greg. He had three UPS stores in San Diego. Uh, UPS, like the franchise, like the retail stores. And I said, Greg, if you could do it all over, would you have gone franchise, which is what he has, or independent? And he said, if I could do it all over, I'd go independent. And it's because the mailboxes are the steady recurring revenue. That is what keeps your lights on. If I had the option to, to configure my store, because when you're on a franchise agreement, at least with him, with UPS, they're very strict about the configuration of your store. So he's maxed out. I think he has like just a little over 300 mailboxes. And if you call his store right now to say, Hey, I'm a new mailbox customer sold out, maxed out. He can't give you one. He said, if I were you, I would go independent and I would configure the store in a way that can hold a thousand mailboxes in each store. And then you have shipping in the back. And I said, interesting. Okay. So then so I obviously live here in Las Vegas. I have a house in Summerlin and just up the street from my house in Summerlin is this place called Postal Pros, which is an independent store that services UPS, FedEx, and the Postal Service. And I'd been their patron for you know seven years at that point. And I went up the street and I said, hey, Andrew, who's the owner of Postal Pros. I said, um, I have a business proposition for you. And he was like, what? <laughs> and he said, I'm going to open up one of these stores down at 215 in Tropicana. So it's far enough away. It's not competition for you, but I don't know anything about running a mailbox store. I will pay you $10,000 if you let me follow you around for two weeks and I will capture all of your processes. I'll package it up nicely for you and you'll have your own set of like a handbook and SOPs for your store. I, I would like to offer that to you. And if you'd let me kind of intern for you for two weeks. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, this Dime. is like the... This is like the reverse definition of paid internship, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I viewed it as an investment. I, yes. I love this business model and I had done a little bit of due diligence, but I viewed it as, look, if I, I'm going to go in on this, I'm willing to invest $10,000 to learn everything that I possibly can. I literally trained in his store. I showed up the next morning at 8.45 AM. They opened the doors at nine. I showed up at 8.45 AM, like in my like yoga pants, because I was literally like a trainee in his store. People thought I was a new hire. Like his customers thought I was a new hire because I literally trained for two weeks inside his store, le learning, you know, the, the software systems they use, packaging, how to package, all the things that are required to run the store and service your customers. I literally was a trainee in his store for two weeks and I paid him to allow me to come train in there. But most valuable, I gained the SOPs, right? So as soon as you unlock the front door, the next thing was unlock the folding gate and I said, oh, so, okay, so I need a folding gate in my store, right? So literally just, just every, like a how-to, like an you know, idiot's guide, right? How to, you unlock the front door. What is the next step? Unlock the folding gate. Like capturing that. And then, like I said, being there and putting myself in a position where I'm a big believer. You need to know every facet of your business and how to run it because knock on wood, there's going to be a day where staff calls out or whatever it is. And if you don't have the ability to run yes. your business, nightmare. This is, this is, you know, game over central. So I'm a big believer in that. And that's why absolutely I had no problem. Some people think of it as humbling yourself or whatever it is. I just looked at it as an exciting business opportunity 
And I literally trained in his store for two weeks. I had one guy tell me, he was like, he's like, you're too pretty to work in a shipping store. And I was like, thanks. Like (laughs) just people, you know, people just thought I was a a new hire and 100% hands down. That was the best way to learn about the business. I think it's so brilliant what you did. And I love your grind and your commitment to saying, I'm going to learn it. And for those uh, listening, I I know everybody probably knows what an SOP is, but just in case it's a standard operating procedure. So it's just a, it's just a document. No, it's, it's just a document that has everything outlined. So it's literally what Lisa says, dummy proof. And it's a a how-to and um, every business needs to have SOPs. And if you are a new business owner and you're listening to this episode, if you are just scaling, starting out, write it down and create this process so that w- one day right now you're doing it, but the goal is that you're going to train somebody else to do it. Correct. And so, exactly. and so if you're not there, then they can literally follow it and do it exactly the way that it's supposed to be done. And they don't have to second guess things. And yes. so I love that you use this reverse internship, this reverse paid internship. I've never heard this before, <laughs> by the way, I have like the biggest girl crush going on right now. Ladies, I am, I am literally dying right now. Lisa, we have to be best friends. <laughs> Done. And (laughs) you reverse his internship and you go into the shipping store, you learn everything about his business. And what you said that you should know how to do things. I could not fucking agree with you more. I, this is the, one of the things that I actually got really passionate about. If you can't tell is when women are like, I hate numbers and I don't like to know my, I don't like to do finances or I don't like this part of my business. I could just outsource it. You can absolutely outsource things that you don't like to do. Absolutely. We're all that. We're not going to all love to do everything. But right. that doesn't, don't know how to do it. Exactly. Exactly right. That's 100% right. Because again, your whole point of scalability, right? Unless you plan to work day to day in your business for the rest of the business life, right? Which maybe that is your plan and that's absolutely okay too. But like, what, what happens if you catch a cold, right? What happens if you want to go on vacation with your family? Guess what? You're not going to physically be there, right? So If you, regardless of your mindset, whether you want to stay in the business day-to-day as an operator forever, or if you do want to scale up and scale out, which has always been my goal, you have to have- Scale up, scale up. You you heard it first here from Lisa. Scale (laughs) Scale scale up, up scale scale out. out. (laughs) I love it. Yes. That to me is the definition of success, right? If you can scale up and scale out of your business anytime that you want, that is where you're building that steady recurring revenue that's going to be able to- fund your investments, fund your lifestyle. And yet you still have something tangible that you can always go back to if you had to. I think it's brilliant. And obviously um, it's serving you well. What keeps you passionate? Like, you know, aren't you exhausted? I'm sure people ask you like, (laughs) why keep going? Right. I definitely get this question asked a ton of like, why are you still going? Can't, you know, you, people assume like, okay, great. You're, you're set or you have success. Like why keep right. going? So I want to ask you that question because I'm sure my audience wants to know, like, why do you keep adding? Yes. I'm just, I'm hardwired. I, I truly do love what I do. I work six days a week. I used to work seven days a week. I work six days a week. I purposely uh, make Sundays my day where I try not to schedule anything business related. I'll, that's my time to you know go grab brunch with the girls or take my dogs hiking. I try to schedule Sunday as a non-scheduled day in relation to business and work. So I work six days a week and I grind. I put in 12, 15 hour days, but I love it. So that way it's just, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hardwired. I'm really enjoying what I do. Um, I love... Um, helping things grow. I love, you know, building that foundation to 
help just push everything forward. And our teams, I'm so inspired by the people that I get to work with every day because within our companies, we have just such strong, ironically, a lot of strong women, actually. A lot of strong women um, work in my companies and and I love uh, providing them with an environment and an opportunity where they can also like grow and be entrepreneurial and um, enjoy. I think that's, you know, how lucky are we to live in a place like the United States where, especially as women, right? We can start a business tomorrow. We can go buy property tomorrow, right? And we don't have to ask the permission of a husband or a brother or a father um, to sign off on what we're doing. And then like, it's amazing to me. There's still, you know, places in the world where that is the case. And, And we, we live in a country where we can, we can get to it, right? We, we can get on it. We can get to it. So like, why not take advantage of that? Breach. Absolutely. I could not agree with that more. We have so much opportunity. And I think this new shift for, I think maybe the world is maybe coming to a realization that, you know, entrepreneurship, it's so accessible. It's so accessible. And it's not just about entrepreneurship, but creating income, right? Or creating financial yes. freedom. Let's just talk about that. Financial freedom. Actually, I think it's a better that's one of our missions here at CO school is to help women create financial freedom, whatever that looks like in your career, Mm -hmm. you can still pursue your passions and create financial freedom of whatever that looks like for you. And it's almost like reverse engineering your goal setting. Mm. And so it's almost saying, okay, great. Like, here's where I'd like to be. Uh, what does like financial freedom look like for you or for your family? And there is unlimited opportunity, ladies, like unlimited opportunities. And there's nothing holding us back. And you can be any color. You could be any race. You could be any gender. You could be anything. And I'm not saying that it's easier for women. It's definitely not easier, but we definitely have all the opportunities and it's in our court. The ball is in our court to do something about it. And, uh, Lisa, you are just a thriving example of that and such a role model for so many young women. How do you kind of give back? I deeply understand your passion for your team. That is one of the reasons like I'm still here at Stacks. We have a a multiple eight-figure business. We're on track to be the next billion-dollar unicorn in fintech. I'm all for my people here. But then CEO school is like where I feel like I can make that impact. And I feel so passionate and connected. I'm sure you're giving back in other ways. What are you doing? Because I know you're making a big impact. Yes, absolutely. I I share that ethos so much about you know, paying it forward, giving back. I've had so many incredible mentors in my life who have literally carved out time for me. Um, I just think it's so important for like community engagement. So um, as Miss Nevada, during my time as Miss Nevada, I did nearly 500 community appearances, volunteering in schools, reading in hospitals, working with nonprofits. And that was all volunteer work. Um, I just thrived in that because I got a chance to literally just be so ingratiated in the community. And absolutely from a you know, self-serving networking standpoint, it was amazing because I met all these people that I otherwise would have never have met. And I met them literally volunteering in the community. In fact, that's how I met my real estate partner, Kathy Quo. We met volunteering in the community and just became friends, right? Just became friends. And then years later, we went into business together. But I think um, community engagement is very, very important. That's something that's very uh, near and dear to my heart. But then also, you know, mentoring, especially with young women, my ops admin, for example, her name's Lainey. I mean, she's in her early twenties. And, and what I love about having her with me and, and working with her is that she has this like sheer enthusiasm that she brings to everything. And it reminds me of myself in my early twenties where I was just so excited about everything. And I think it's so important to not lose that, right? Like as, as we grind and we're in business and we have different experiences and we encounter things, of course you experience setbacks. You experience sometimes, you know, dumpster fires of setbacks and 
all that experience gets overlaid, right? And so sometimes you have entrepreneurs and I think sometimes women, female entrepreneurs who it's hard for them to, to get back that pure excitement and pure enthusiasm that they had previous to all these crazy experiences. And what I love about working with her is that just, it reminds me of that sheer enthusiasm in the beginning. And it's just important to harness that. And so I love working with her in particular because I, I love molding her and, and just getting her exposed to everything. So I try to do that as much as possible, you know, with, especially with female entrepreneurs. I think it's so incredible. And you're investing in businesses and women-owned businesses. You're part of so many great organizations. I mean, I could just sit here and continue to read your, just the most ridiculous (laughs) resume I've ever seen. So I'm just gonna like throw this away because it's, it's, it is just, it's so impressive and that you were missing about it. I mean, just unbelievable. You guys, I were so excited to have you here on the show. Now, all of this success, right? All of the success, when you look back in your journey, what are some of your learnings that you're like, man, what would you go tell yourself? Maybe some of the bad, let's talk, let's talk about failing. Cause I think that sometimes we don't talk about failure enough. What were some maybe times that you failed and like, what would you go back and tell yourself or some experiences that you had that, you know, we can all learn from on the show? Sure. Well, so right now like, we're, we're covering all the highlights, right? We're yeah. covering the wins and the successes. I mean, so yes, I have four companies that I've co-founded here that are operational and they're fun and they're growing and exciting. I have several other companies in the portfolio that I started, right? That that blew up or didn't go yeah. anywhere or ran out of steam. And in those obviously very teachable moments, you know, whether it was finding the right partner and the right fit, um, sometimes that didn't work out. Getting so excited about an idea and not doing enough due diligence in relation to the actual execution. What does the execution look like in running the company and clearly laying out roles and responsibilities? Um, you know, experiencing the miscommunication of those roles and responsibilities and then having that go sideways. Um, Every single opportunity, you know, absolutely has turned into a teachable moment. Um, But I think one of the key things I would tell myself if I could, you know, lay out all the experiences that I've had and tell my younger self some advice is that um, it's okay to be the only woman in the room. It's -hmm. going to be okay to be the only woman in the room. Um, and just continue to be yourself. I think, I, I think as women, one, we tend to underestimate ourselves automatically and we'll discount ourselves automatically. And I've literally been in a room where I got mistaken as a promo model for the company, uh, where I've gotten mistaken as an assistant. Um, and I never take it super like, like insulting, right. Where I'm going to be like, no F you, you know, I'm the owner. Like, I don't do that in those situations, in that tone, in that attitude, because that's going to get me nowhere, right? I'm in the room for a certain reason. It's usually to get a deal done. So remember why you're there. It's okay to be the only woman in the room. Remember why you're there and like, get the deal done, get the deal done. I love it. It's such good advice. And I feel you on every count of the things that you've said. (laughs) I remember, you know, I got my first venture investment. I had done my seed round in Orlando with angel investors. And then when Mm -hmm. I did our first raise, our first capital, it was about $5 million, 15 million total. I got a $5 million tranche from our venture partner out in Atlanta. And they're the sweetest. They're like the nicest. We made plenty of returns for them. Like I have an amazing relationship. So I love sharing this story. I came up, I came to their CEO retreat. So it was like, they had done the deal. It was like maybe September uh, that they had finished the deal with us. October was this like annual CEO conference that they do for their portfolio companies. And 
I showed up to my first CEO retreat or experience with the new portfolio. I was so excited to meet the other portfolio companies. And I arrived to the retreat destination and I was outside because I was finishing up a deal. I was finishing up a conversation. I was on my phone and I was outside of the lobby entrance area. And so I had my earphones on and I was just kind of like walking around and I was having this conversation. And then this man in a suit looked like a CEO tapped my shoulder And like, literally he saw me, I was on the phone too. And he's like, excuse me, can you tell me where the event is? Right. And so I said, okay, it's just like right down in there. Yeah. Follow Um, the signs. Yeah. Yeah. Just like pointed him in the direction. And I kind of get back to my conversation and I'm like pacing around and then like another, like another black car pulls up and the CEO comes out and I had finished, I like just finished off my phone and he's like, oh, um, can you tell me where I can get my name batch? And then I was like, okay. So I was like, I I don't know. Like like you work for the conference. Yes. And literally went inside. I like, I was like, there's the badges. And I like walked back inside into my seat. And then our LP, like the main event started. And the first yeah. thing that he said is to say, I'm so excited to welcome our newest portfolio company, Sanira Madani, Fat Merchant Stacks. And like literally invited me up. And it was, you should have seen their faces. Oh, totally. But happens, yeah. But this happens and it's not, and you're right. Like you're, you know, you, you can't get mad or I can't get mad. And they're not but doing it to be malicious. They're not doing it to like talk down to you or whatever. No. They just blindly assumed that I'm the event coordinator and not another CEO. Correct. It yep. sucks, dude. What is yeah, that going to I know. Say? It's so annoying. It's, it's so annoying. annoying. Ah! <laughs> Can we just be frustrated? We can't fully talk about it. It's frustrating. It's super annoying. You're just you're like, not you're the so... promo girl. Yeah, you're not the exactly. Girl. Exactly. You're yeah. beautiful. You're so beautiful. <laughs> and you could, you could, you are a model, but you're not the promo girl. You're the CEO of the right. company. I'm not the event coordinator. I am right. literally a, a peer CEO in your group. <laughs> I'm a peer. Exactly. See, and, yes. and there's going to be scenarios and situations and even groups, right? Whether it's professional groups or non-professional groups, recreational groups, where let's face it, we will never be considered a peer simply by virtue of our sex of our age, of how we look or how we appear. And you've got to sit in that. You just have to own it because we're, we're not here to change their mind. Yes. You know what I mean? In, in a very tangible way, right? We just have to own that and realize like we can't control what, you know, in, in what ways they're going to like categorize us and do all that. What we need to do is show up, right? Yes. We need to show up. We need to get the deal done. And then just to your point, right? I'm sure there's just like the surprise on their faces when you walk up on the stage and they're like, oh, she's, she, like you said, she's one of us. She's, she's supposed to be a peer. Oh my gosh. Like I'm sure some of them were embarrassed, you know, it's just what it is. And like we, as women, I think some of the most successful female founders that I know, they have such thick skin and that it doesn't make them like hard to the world. And, and they don't come off in that way, but like, they know some of the realities of just how it is and they use it to their advantage. I love it. I absolutely love it. I, this was such a fun conversation for me because I can absolutely relate. I love that you talked about some of the, the fails that you had in your, in, in your portfolio. And then it took you nine years. I think that that's something that people also forget when they look at all the success. Forget it. It didn't happen overnight. You literally Mm -hmm. talked about working six days a week, Lisa, we have a rule here at CEO school for rest and taking care of ourselves. So we're going to challenge you to take more things off your plate so that you can take your weekends off. And we try to also implement summer Fridays uh, for life. Uh, Love that. that. Love that. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen for me. (laughs) Love to see it. (laughs) 
Honestly, and I've learned so much in building stacks that I'm trying to apply at CEO school because I built this company based on like, it's a venture company, it's a fintech company. It's very male dominated in every space. And Mm. sometimes I leaned into that masculinity and it has gotten me to where I am here. But I also, this the next company that I'm building and this, it started off, CEO school is just like this passion project that started, but it's a a full-blown company. It's a full-blown company. Um, And we've got a team and and we're like, I want to do this in the way that not what I know how to do, but the company that I want to build uh, without the role. And so, and I I think that's been my learning, I guess, in my portfolio um, Mm -hmm. of companies. And so I'm as a, as our leader here at CEO school, I'm going to challenge you to say, we need to get you more (laughs) rest and more self-care, but ladies, it does take hard work, right? Hard work is the shortcut. I just applaud. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Hard work is the shortcut. And if you, if you meet someone or you see on social media, someone, you know, with, with the post, with the Lamborghini and they're like six months ago, I was sleeping on my friend's couch. Like that is not real life. They're trying to sell you something. They're trying to sell you a course of like how to build a business, even though they don't have their own business. And like, that is the business, like be aware (laughs) of that kind of stuff. Right. And I think some of the best people that you will end up surrounding yourself with like the most successful people I know, I have, I have, you know, billionaire mentors, right? They give me their advice for free, right? They're, they're, they're investing in me as a person because they believe in me and, and what I can build, right? I'm not there to pay my subscription fee to them every month. And then they do a mastermind with me once a quarter. Like th- that is a business model. But like I said, what I found is some of the most successful mentors I have and, and people are really business people in the business, they understand the grind, they understand it takes time. They're willing to impart that knowledge to you if you're willing to learn and hustle. Absolutely. There are so many ways to find good mentors as well. And sometimes it's just about asking for help. I think that Mm -hmm. that piece of it is also uh, missing sometimes for us. We feel like we have to do it all alone. And kind of to end, I think one of the topics that you really talked about that has defined your success is your team and finding that operations partner for those that might be just starting out, or maybe that have gone through a few iterations of like, they just can't fit. What would you say to women to go help find that buddy of theirs or that operations partner? Is there any advice that you have for them to go find that partner of theirs or find the operations arm of their business to help them scale? Yes. I'm a big fan of teaming up with family or friends. There's a lot of people who will tell you not to do that. And don't get me wrong. I also have had relationships that have gone sideways because of that. However, I will say this. um, I've had more companies succeed teaming up with family and friends than not. Um, So speaking from experience, I think it's very valuable to team up with someone that you know, meaning you know what they're like when they're mad. You know what they're like when they're stressed out. You know what they're like when they've just been yelled at. You know what they're like when they've gone through a bad breakup. You know what they're like uh, when they just have had a bad day. Like how does, how do they handle getting a flat tire on the road? It's happened to all of us, right? And you have some people who will like shut down. It's like ruin their whole day. Like they, they can't function, right? And you have some people who are just like, whoop, call AAA, done and done, I'm out, right? And you have to decide who in your circle and your network do you know that you trust that has the ability to help you push a company forward? And I would argue in each of my endeavors, I've teamed up with friends. So people who I knew previously going to business together And I just, I really appreciate that. I really know them. I know what they're like when they're mad and they're stressed and they've had a bad day or they've just been yelled at because I saw it in their personal life. And I see that they're resilient and they're resourceful and they bounce back. And those are skills you cannot teach somebody. It's innate in you. That's a personality trait. 
And guess what? In business, you have multiple times in the day where you have dumpster fires, where clients are yelling at you, right? That things are going sideways. Shit is literally on fire. And you need to know that your partner is not going to disappear for 24 hours because they just mentally can't handle it or whatever the situation is. Um, I think that's really, really important. So I'm a big fan of teaming up with either family or friends, someone that you know, someone that you trust. And then here's part B, laying out roles or responsibilities and being very clear mm-hmm. about that. I was going to ask, I was going to be my next question because that's not usually the advice that people right. usually give. And so how do you, how do you make it successful? And so this is yes. where you're going to go. Okay. So how do you make yep. it successful? Laying out roles, and responsibilities and having really good communication. It doesn't mean you guys have to be BFFs. And just like any long-term relationship, it will ebb and flow. There will be times where you guys are really, really close and you're so excited and everything's wonderful. And there will be times where you guys fight. There will be times where you guys grow apart and then come back together. It's going to be just like any long-term relationship that you've had in your life. So like buckle up and prepare for it to be long-term, number one. And then number two, lay out those roles and responsibilities and do it, do so with the understanding that they can change over time. They could change tomorrow if we have a conversation about it, but let's lay them out. Let's talk about the things I'm supposed to be doing and the things you're supposed to be doing. And let's make sure we communicate to understand that what you're doing is also what I think you're doing and vice versa. Cause then when you don't have that, that's when I'm like, well, Sonera, I thought you were going to follow up with, I thought that you were like leading the marketing side and you're looking at me going, I thought you were leading the marketing side. I don't know. And, and that's where you, you know, have that conflict, right? Lay out the roles and responsibilities, be willing to be flexible in them, be willing to communicate and touch base. I mean, I communicate with my partners every single week. We text every single day. We're on Slack or we're texting every single day. And it's because we're communicating about the business and we're also communicating like what we're doing to drive things forward in relation to our buckets, our separate buckets. So have that communication, have those roles, responsibilities, and know that it's okay to not be BFFs all the time. It's such solid advice. I mean, I work with my brother and so it is sure, definitely, yeah. yeah and, and we're super successful. I mean, there, there's nobody in my life. I trust more than him. My spouse is exactly the same. Like I trust in mm-hmm. It's probably more. I trust my spouse. Uh, actually I trust them like equally, uh, the mm-hmm. same, but there's a way that I can, there's like a different trust level fact. I can't yeah. talk to my spouse the way that I can talk to my brother sometimes. Of right? yeah, like, of you know, and so I think that it can work, but communication is what is key to making. And, and even if it's not a friend or a brother or a, a, a family member, communication is what's key to any partnership or any team dynamic is that level of communication. And I love what you said about, it's not just about communicating, oh, this is what I'm working on. This is what you're working on. It's also important to make sure that the visibility in what's actually taking place is there across the board. So you're not stepping on each other's toes all the time or making assumptions, right? Assumptions is where it gets everybody in trouble is when there's assumptions. So really solid advice, Lisa. This has been so incredible. Where can we continue to learn from you? How can we support you in your journey? Your time here has been super valuable. I'm going to invite you into our club for some business workshops because you are such a genius. We have an incredible community of just amazing women, ambitious women who I know are going to learn more from you. So I'm inviting you back into the club, but where can we learn more from you? How can we support you as well? What can we do? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. I would love to connect on social. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn at Lisa Song Sutton, and you can head over to my website, lisasongsutton.com. And of course, hit me up whenever you're coming to Vegas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Can't wait. I can't believe everything's open again. Vegas is right Yay! around the <laughs> Yes, yes. The strip is back. Oh, Vegas is back. I live right on the strip. Like I've I have a house in Summerlin, but I have a condo right on the strip. I live right next door to Aria. Like 
right in the heart of the strip. All, yeah, all the things. So slide into my DMs when you're coming to Vegas. I got you. Uh, happening. I love it. Open <laughs> invite here from the most incredible Lisa. Thank you so much for being <laughs> on the show. We'll see you guys next week at CEO School. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.